Welcome to the Epiphany Movement Podcast. To learn more about the Epiphany Movement, visit us online at epiphanymovement.com. Today's talk comes from Pastor Drake Nelson and is a continuation of the series From Weeping to Worship. something like this it says one day as we were going down to the place of prayer we met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future I guess she was gambling on like I don't know college football and the Kentucky Derby and things like this well she earned a lot of her money for her masters by telling fortunes verse 17 she followed Paul I'm sorry I was reading um, I was reading the 1980 version She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell us how to be saved. Verse 18 says this, This went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her. And instantly it left her. You know, I read that basically to ask this, um, what voice is shouting you down? What voice is shouting in your ear? Perhaps the voice shouting in your ear is a literal voice. Maybe maybe it's your spouse or your mom or your dad or depression or a stack of bills that need to be paid. Maybe it's you're not good enough. You never were going to be good enough, so you might as well quit now. Maybe it is that you are a loser, that you are a quitter. Maybe the voice shouting in your ear every day is Satan himself that is shouting in your ear every day, but regardless, see, the voice is a slave. The voice is a slave. And the voice shouting in your ear every day is a slave also. It is a slave to Christ Jesus. I suppose that's why I bring it up. In verse 19 it says, Her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered, so they grabbed Paul and Silas and and dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. Now the whole city was in an uproar because of these Jews. They shouted to the city officials, They are teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. That's how my Holy Bible app reads it when it's reading out loud. Verse 22, a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas and the city officials, ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure that they did not escape, so the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet into the stocks. Verse 25 of Acts 16 says, Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer awoke to see that the prison doors were wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, Stop! Don't do it. Some of your translations read, stop, don't kill yourself. 
We are all here. God, thank you for this verse. Thank you for this word. Thank you for your scripture. God, I pray that we would be alive and active as we receive it. I thank you that your word is alive and active in our lives. God, we pray that this would come alive in our lives this morning. God, we pray for a word this morning. In your name I pray. Amen. And amen. It was about, I would say, maybe what? It was, was it November the 2nd or the 3rd that uh, a year ago? It was the third. I thought it was the second. It was the third. Okay. It was the third. Okay, so November the third, a year ago, I asked this beautiful little thing down here to be my wife, and therefore we were engaged. And so when we got engaged, we went, where did we go? Oak Mountain State Park. That's where I proposed to her at, the tallest point in Alabama, one of the tallest points in Alabama, overlooks the city. And so we got engaged there. And when we got engaged, we just began this process of asking everybody that we could, Mr. Matt, hey, what's some advice? I mean, we asked family, we asked friends, we asked relatives, We asked people that we didn't know and people that we knew real well. We asked everybody, what would be your advice for us as we're going into marriage? Number one answer that we got, what do you think it was? Number one answer. I know a lot of people said this, don't go to sleep angry. I got that one a lot. Um, The craziest bit of advice that we got was the the one girl that said, if you're mad at each other, um, um, like, I don't know, like touch each other's feet when you go to bed. I don't know why they gave us that. It was the weirdest bit of advice, but I, we do it even now. So if we're mad, uh, <laughs> reach over there. I don't know. Stop. That, that, that hurts. I'm sorry. I have sharp fingernails. It's terrible. Another bit of advice that we got, and, 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 and I, my grandmother gave it to me. And I don't know. She didn't say this word for word, but she said something like this. She said, um, um, I'll, I'll, I'll basically say what she said. I'll paraphrase it. She said, honor cat privately and publicly. I think that was a good bit of advice. And I'll give you an example. Like two weeks ago when she did the children's sermon, I, I watched it, and I was back here, and I was kind of watching it. And then I went home and watched it on Facebook. And, I, and after I got through, I said, cat. It was just me and her. I said, you did such a wonderful job. And she did, didn't she? I mean, she really did an amazing job. So, and, and I thought, wow, that's so good, and you had their attention, and, and you, you, you told the story, but then you delivered the point. I said, great job, Kat. I mean, way to go. And, and so that's a private way of, of honoring Kat, but there also needs to be a type of public, you know, a, a honoring of Kat from for, for, for my side. So maybe when I'm around people just say, hey, babe, um, I, just, I just want everybody around here to know that that babe is the best thing that's ever happened to me. And she is the best thing that's ever happened to me. And let's just give it up for Kat. Um, she's amazing. She is amazing. Publicly honor your wife. But, but then we got this advice from some of her grandparents, or I think it might have been an aunt or uncle. They said, if you ever spend a significant amount of money, let the other one know. <laughs> I said, well, what's a significant amount of money, Mr. Hutch? You see where my mind's working. She, they said, I, I don't know anything above $400 was what they were thinking. I don't know. We're broke, so a significant amount of money for us is if we go to Outback, <laughs> let us know. Hey, I'm getting the shrimp and the steak. Is that okay with you? That's good. Let's roll. <laughs> I love her. Man, I tell you. 
Another piece of advice that we got is this, and I think this is the most important advice that we got. It was this, choose your fights, you know? I mean, pick your battles. Choose what you want to be upset about. Pick your fight. I was at the summer I was eating the other day, and we were talking as we were sitting around the dinner table. I can't remember what they said, but it was something along the lines of, um, I can't really honestly, I don't know, whatever, whatever. And I kind of laughed, and I said, <laughs> You know what I said? Ah, I got to pick my battles. And they they just busted out laughing. The weird thing about it was it kind of turned into a church service. They said, amen, brother, preach it. And then they kind of like looked at themselves like, "Uh uh-huh, you listen to this? No, you better be listening to this. No, you better be listening to this. Pick your fights. Uh, I'm never going to be invited back to the Summerall's ever again. They are rad, okay? I love y'all. I love everybody, but specifically y'all for this moment. And cap. Anyways, that's besides the point. Pick your battles, right? And it's important marriage of advice. It was important for us to get. But what happens, and I often ask the question, what happens when you don't pick the battle and you don't pick the fight, but the fight picks you? You know what I'm talking about, Mr. David? What happens when the fight picks you? You didn't see it coming. You didn't ask for it, did you, Mr. Donnie? You didn't want it. Nothing in your life was expected nor asked for, and you didn't choose to fight, but it knocked on your door, and you opened it, and it just kind of walked on in there and said, put them up, we bought the box. What happens when the fight chooses you? And that's where we find ourselves. I mean, is this not preaching to y'all? I mean, we didn't ask for the virus. We didn't ask for the job loss. We didn't ask for the depression. We didn't ask for the divorce. We didn't ask for the addiction. We didn't ask for the temptation. We didn't ask, but yet, and it walks through the door, and now we got to put them up. You know what I mean? And this is where Paul finds himself. And here it is. He, the battle, the fight has come and knocked on his door. And verse 22 says, a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas. Just for the record, uh, Mr. J, I am no, I mean, I don't know how to fight. I mean, I'm a preacher and I, I don't know that I've ever been in a fight. So, there's, I mean, I can't. I, Dustin, Please protect me. If you ever see somebody running up the street, just just sick Elvis on them. That's his dog. I mean, I remember the cat's about to die laughing. My tennis coach at Mississippi College, he was uh, he was he, he he was an agility coach. He asked me in front of the whole tennis team, Drake. He was trying to show us how to do an exercise. Drake, if you was gonna punch somebody, how would you punch him? I think he was trying to get us how to like step into it. He wanted us to step into this exercise, and so. You know, I told him how I'd punch him. I said, I don't know. I guess you just look like that. He said, everybody's dialing. He said, Drake, are you kidding? Have you ever been in a fight? I said, no, I'm a pre- I am mean, I don't know how to fight. Like, uh, what? I just go like that. My best fight move, here it is. You'll appreciate this. Are you ready for this? It's called the mule punch. I just kind of distract him with this one, and I just whap him. That's the best I got. So, if, if, if uh, I have guns, so if somebody, you know, I don't know. If you ever see me and Kat in an argument, she will be winning 100% of the time. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer ordered to make sure that they did not escape, so the jailer put them into the inner dungeon, right? 
And they clamped their feet into stocks. So here they are in stocks, in the prison. In verse 25, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And so I looked at this verse and I thought, this is crazy. Just as a, uh, I don't know, just as a word. We are in a new series. Uh, di- I didn't even have time to make anything for it. I just came kind of up with it last night. We're in a new series called From Weeping to Worship. I think we might start it now, I guess, in any way. So that, that, uh, it's going to be cool. I think God has a word for us. Regardless, I saw this, and I, and I thought, I said, what in the world were Paul and Silas thinking in the prison, Caleb? Like, what could they have been thinking? Hey, how are you? Good to see What could they have been thinking in the prison? And then I thought, I wonder, I wonder, this is a word. I think this this could be a word for you. What were they thinking in the prison? And I thought back, maybe they were thinking of Malachi 3.6. Do you know what that says? It says this, our God never changes. He is the Lord God Almighty who never changes and is the same today, yesterday, and forever. And I wonder if they were thinking about that verse. Because, see, Paul and Silas, their situation was changed. Their surrounding was changed. They were in a prison for once of all. First of all, the people they were surrounded by were all prisoners, so they were changing who they were trying to do ministry to was changing. Their whole life changed in a sudden, in, in just one second. And I wonder if they looked at each other and said, Paulus, Paul, Silas, Paul, look, man, look at all this stuff that's changing. This is scary. I don't like it. A crowd's forming. We've been beat. Now we're in a prison. Man, speaking of changing, my face changed. It's black and blue been beat up my shoulder is changing ah it's changing and they looked and they said I, I, I don't know this but I just wonder if they said well you know all of this is changing but God isn't but God isn't and I call and I, and I think that the, the reason I say this is because I call a pastor I love this dude his name is Scott Johnson he is my mentor he's about 45 years old one of my really good friends I love Scott Johnson I called him yesterday and I said hey man what you preaching on I need to know right I called him he said I'm preaching one verse and that's this that God never changes He said, and this is why, Drake, this is why I'm going to preach this. He said, let's just take everything for how it is, and let's look at three points, okay? Point number one is this. It doesn't matter what side of the election you're on. Point blank being is that you got the vast majority of Americans who are not going to trust the system. I mean, that's not, I mean, that's just like trust is not there. It's not going to be there. And his words were, and it might not be there for 20 years at the minimum. And then you look at that, he said, but it's not only that. He said, look, number two, I want to say this. Look at all the states, 40 of the 50 states, look at them. Every single, not every single one, but about 40 of the 50 states were about 50-50. Were about 50-50. Really close, 3-4% either way. He said, I've never seen that in my whole life. 
And I take that to mean it could possibly be that we as a nation right now are more divided than we've ever been, his words, not mine, since the Civil War. And it's not a black and it's not a white thing, not to say that it was even back in the Civil War, but if you look at the demographic, demographic or demo, um, I don't know the, you know the, the map with all the stuff on it you'll see red like 90 percent and you'll see blue like 10 percent have you seen this map right here he said this is where we're divided do you know what that divide is it's not the divide is city and urban rural and country have you seen this? And they're divided. He said the scary part, and I agree with him halfway, the scary part is this. The scary part is that they're not divided over a person. They're not divided over a person, and they're not divided over a, like a political scheme. Here's what they're divided over. They're divided over a philosophy. A philosophy. Look at it. Look at the philosophy and then look at this philosophy. He says this is the, what we are divided over. So as a country, we are more divided perhaps than we have ever been. And it scares me. And then thirdly, he said, look, and this is kind of me speaking really. He said, look, ever since 2020 came in January with everything that just started coming our way with the virus and with a thousand deaths per day and then the significant job loss and then with, you know, the financial struggle and the stock market dropping significantly and then look at all that that's kind of just went up and down, up and down, up and down and then take the last week of our lives and then just turn around and look and what you have is you have a lot of changes that's come very 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 fast and it reminds me of Job it's just one thing after the other after the other after the other after the other and now it's a lot of changing going on and it's a lot of things shifting and we as human beings and I believe this we hate change more than anything there's a good reason for it I think it's in our DNA. It's like survival. It's like, ah, man, I know I can do this and survive. I think it's woven into just who we are as people. It's not a bad thing. It's not a good thing. It just is. And now everything is changing really, 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 really fast in a matter of just, um, I mean, months even. And we're scratching our heads looking. And he said, I want people to know that the president may change. That our electoral system may change, that the that that the virus even may change, that our government may change, that our times are changing, that the church even could change, everything could change. But there is one thing and one thing alone that will never change, and that is God. He is the same today, He's the same yesterday, He is the same forever, He will be the same forever. Our God will never change. The word of God will never change. Amen. God is the same today as he was in any time throughout history. He said, I want people to know that. And I just wonder, and maybe that's a word for you, that God is the same. 
and he will not change. And I wonder if that's what Paul and Silas are thinking in this moment. And then it gets to a point into their lives where they are face down on a floor and they just start to sing. And I don't know what they were singing. It was a praise. It was a hymn. But they start to worship. And as they begin just to worship in their prison, in their fight, in their midnight, in their storm, in where God had placed them that was not a good place to be, they say, I don't care where I am. I'm going to worship God. And they begin to worship. And do you see what happens? What, what comes? I heard it. An earthquake. An earthquake. An earthquake. Mr. Tony, this is crazy. An earthquake came. And then, if I'm being honest, I had to ask myself the hardest question that I've ever had to ask myself, I believe, in 24 years of life. I had to ask myself this question. I said, Noah, does the earthquake come every time I praise God in the midnight? I want you to ask yourself that question. It's tough. It's a tough question. Does an earthquake come every time that I praise God in the midnight? I didn't know the answer to that. I didn't know the answer to that. Because, I mean, let's, I'll be honest with myself. I said, God, how many times have I praised you in the middle of the storm and there was no evidence of any walls shaking in my life? It just stayed the same, and I kept praising, and it kept saying the same. And then I went to San Francisco, and here's where I learned San Francisco. Me and my best friend Blake, 2017, we take a trip up to San Francisco. We get in the car with the Uber driver, because, you know, taxis ain't the thing no more, Mr. Hutch. It's Uber now. I don't know. It's changing real quick. Anyways, we got in the car with the Uber driver, and I'm like a scoundrel. I'm a, I said, I'm about to share Jesus with this dude. So I'm like, I can't remember their conversation exactly, word for word, but it's something like, you know, blah, 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 Jesus. And he, I think he felt uncomfortable with the situation. You know, hey, do you go to church somewhere? Okay. Uh, what's the biggest religion around here? Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm a Christian. Uh, I don't know. I can't remember. Anyways, it got to the point where he was uncomfortable, so he quickly changed the subject. And he, I, I guess he was uncomfortable. I don't know. He changed the subject, though, and he asked me, Dustin. He said, are you ready for this? He said, well, what's your job? What do you do? And I thought, ha-ha, gotcha, sucker. I'm a youth minister. Back to the Jesus conversation, buddy. But he quickly took a left turn real quick. He said, oh, that's cool. I'm... I don't know what you call this person. I'm going with, I'm, I'm an earthquakeologist. I don't know his name. I study earthquakes, and that's the reason I'm in San Francisco. And I thought, well, that's cool. And I learned that that was the reason he moved to San Francisco. He was a seismologist, something like that. I don't know. Anyways, so he said, uh, well, I asked the question, well, Miss Amy, it's a crazy question. When was the last earthquake that you experienced? He, like, blew my mind. He turned around and just smiled because I think he knew he was about to blow my mind. He said, oh, and me and Blake's in the car. He said about three hours ago, 9 a.m., it's like 12. Dude, what? He was smiling. Two emotions really came real fast. I didn't know whether to be pumped that I experienced an earthquake and like lived to tell the tale, which I'm telling you now, I experienced one and survived it, or terrified of the fact that I went through an earthquake and didn't even know it. 
And then he goes, yeah, well, actually in Southern California, you have more than 2,500 earthquakes a year and only 3% are failed. It's not even 3%. It's more like 1%, but, you know, whatever, whatever. Maybe some machines can fill, others can't. But, yeah, you have anywhere from 25 to 3,100 3, earthquakes. 3,300. No, 2,500 to 3,000 earthquakes a year. And you have all these, but only about 1% are failed. And it's pretty cool. So we see, we, you know, we see here and there. But most earthquakes, yeah, they're pretty much undetected. And I thought... Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. This is a preach, Ron Shelby. And I thought that every time that we praise God in the midnight, an earthquake might not come to rescue us. But every single, I mean, we might not see it, but every single time that we praise, that we worship, that we keep our eyes on God, that we see Him, that we are not distracted with our prison, but we are focused on our purpose. Every single time that that happens, an earthquake comes, either on earth or in heaven. But every single time we praise an earthquake happens. And that was my conclusion. That was my conclusion. I don't know if it's true, I don't know if it's false, but that's what I concluded. And, and, and just let me say this real quick. Um, let me say this real quick. Um, I was thinking about it like this, that, 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 that the opposite of fear is faith. I, I believe. And, and, and Miss... Miss Linda Kay, she asked me the other day, we were driving, she said, Drake, do you ever stop thinking and turn your mind off? I said, I don't know. I think about things a lot. So, I mean, uh, I'm even thinking about that, so I don't know. Anyways, I said, uh, and maybe, uh, maybe it's wrong. Maybe not the opposite of fear is faith. Maybe like the antidote to, to, the, to fear is faith. Maybe the vaccine to fear is faith. Maybe the antibiotic to fear is faith. It's virus season. God speak virus terms. Maybe the antidote to fear is faith. But I know this, is that the soundtrack of faith is worship. The soundtrack of faith is worship. And I want to show you this, by the way, um, if I can get into my computer. Um, does anybody like music? I hope you do, or this is going to be terrible. This is going to be awful. Um, I'm about to play you all my top, um, I don't know, my top 10 songs ever. And here they are. They're going to be real quick. By the way, I just want you to know none of the songs are Christian, not because I don't love Christian music, but it's because, I mean, let's be honest. If I put Christian songs on here and Amazing Grace wasn't number one and It Is Well with My Soul wasn't a close number two, then you would be like, hey, we loved you, but got to go, sucker. And so that would be gone. So um, no Christian songs or no explicit songs. Okay, so somewhere in the middle, here we go. All right, number 10 on my list of best songs ever it's king george noah oh yeah it's king george so i think you might like this um here we go all right we're not going so uh let's see what we got what we got griff maybe see what happens this is some good music turn the stereo up oh man don't you love uh Technical difficulties all the time. Okay, well, uh, is there any way that you can that you can uh, get it on? Like it's it's uh, I don't know. It's just right 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 there. I don't know. Figure it out quick. I'm more nervous than you, so. <laughs> it's like no, this is awful. Okay, we we got we got a we got a plan. Okay, first 
you make a plan. So here's the plan. We'll just come over here and uh, we're gonna steal. Um, I, I love y'all, and I and I don't I don't say the stealing is ever a good thing, but we're about to steal y'all's uh, plugs. So I love you, Miss Melanie. I hope this works, and if it doesn't, then uh, well, the rest of this sermon will be really weird and awkward. But okay, yeah, that. All right, here we go. Sing it, sing it. <laughs> I love you. I love you. Oh man. Okay, so um let's see. We'll we'll try it again. Number ten. We got it. Anybody know King George? Is anybody feeling this or are y'all like sweating now? I'm sweating, so that makes two of us. Alright, yeah, yeah, yeah. Alright, number ten. This is number nine. Are you ready for this? Oh, y'all gonna love this. Woo! Reba, Reba, I love old Reba. <laughs> Gonna leave it. All right, um, number, you say this is a terrible song. Okay, well, next one, here we go. Johnny Cash, the man in black. Does anybody know this? I love this. <laughs> Woo! I don't know. I'm weird. You say, I hate this song. Well, this is my list. Make your own list and be okay. Woo! I mean, this is great, okay? But it's a little loud. All right, next song. Here we go. This is, this is for you right there. This is for you. Yeah, this is for you. I love this. T-Swizzle. I love T-Swizzle, okay? Oh, man, okay. Um, babe, you got one? Okay, yeah, come on, come on. Um, I know you got one. Let's see. Um, come on up, come on up, come on up. Let's see what we go. Uh, what, um, where is the mic? Oh, okay, here we go. Next one, um, yeah, here we go. Next one. Mm. Cat is red. Okay, here we go. I'm about to be really red. Oh, man. Here we go. I think this is number five. This was a voicemail I found on her phone, but this is number five, so. Just so, just in case you know, Oh man, okay. Um remember, um um I love you, okay? So we'll leave it. Just in case you my singing didn't get it across, um here here is uh this is the song, okay, you know, all right. Um Mr. John, it's been great, it's been good, I've had a good time. Um but yeah, I'm, I'm probably gone after today. So um I'll just I'll just go ahead and just say that. It's all been good. Number three or four. I love this song. I mean, I don't know. You might, this is awful. Okay, number 
number three. Okay, number three. Here it is. You were wanting me to keep playing it. Oh, good. I'm in the right place then. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. You, we got married to this song. It had to be in the top three. I'll be sleeping in the doghouse. You want to dance? No, okay. You danced and I went into it. Okay. okay. No, she's red. Now I'm really in the doghouse. That's great. Last chance. All right, all right, all right. Number two, here we go. Number two. And we fell in love. Okay, ready? Number two. Garth Brooks, if you don't know this Oreo. This is my number two favorite song. I don't know. I'm weird. I know. I, I'm terrible. Um, I, I, I'm... Um, Anybody know that? Anybody know that? Okay, well, um, yeah, pray for me um, all the time. Um, number one, this is my number one favorite song. Here we go. Um, you know this song? Well, this is number good, huh? It's good, it's good. Can you floss? I don't know how to do that. You know, then I I'm, just, I'm white and I can't dance. So there's that. My favorite song is right here. My mom would be, she would be so embarrassed. I love you, mom. My favorite song. She would be dancing though. By the way, she would be dancing. My favorite. Those are my favorite songs. Why do I even mention all that? Well, I, because I'm weird and and that's just how it is. Now here's why I mention it. Here's why I bring all that up. I bring all that up for this reason. It's really loud. I bring all that up for this reason. It's because oftentimes in our midnight, here's what happens. Is the devil, I think, he can get his hands on our CD and he can just pop it in the CD player in our prison, in our midnight, and he can just say, hey, buddy, let's take a listen. And we can, you know, hear, I don't know, here's one, two, three, you know, and we can say, oh, no, I'm good with that one. Skip. Play. Next song. Oh, once upon a time, a few mistakes ago, skip. I'm Johnny Cash, sweating now. One piece at a time, and it didn't cost me a dime. You'll, I'll, I'll be in the choir next Sunday, so we're good. No, never. Okay. Um, skip, play, next, and then we go on and on, and then maybe we get to another song. It's like, ah, you know, now, now, do your thing, do your thing, and we're dancing to it. We're just, okay, let's just let it play all the way through. And in a minute, and in a minute, we can take the situation that we have been put in and we can turn on our soundtrack and start sounding like everybody else around us. We can sound like the other prisoners going through the midnight. We can sound like all the other church members. We can sound like who God has not called us to be. And we can sound like everybody else. And it just takes like that. Because once we put the CD in, when we didn't choose the fight. It chose us. And we can 
like, oh, no, what to do? And here's what we can do. We can uh, out-toss this. I was going to break it, but it didn't break easy. We can out-toss that CD and grab a brand new CD, and we can put it in to our soundtrack and press play. And here's what may be playing on that soundtrack. Here's what may be playing. You know this? When we turn this on, we start praising, we start worshiping, and worship is so much more than a song. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. I'm surrounded by enemies. No, son, no, daughter. I surround your very enemies that you think are surrounding you, but God. How do I get through it? How do I get through the divorce? How do I get through the addiction? How do I get through the temptation? How do I get through the trials, the prison? What? How? Mom, what? Uh, you do it. This is how, son, daughter, this is how you fight your battles. This is how you get through everything that comes your way. This is how you get through the storm, through the addiction. This is how you get through the prison. This is how you get to your purpose. It's that you input the soundtrack of faith. And you say, hey, I'm going to stay praising. I'm going to stay worshiping. I'm going to stay anchored on my knees in prayer, looking up to God, saying, hey, we're on the same page. I have a purpose in this midnight. I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded by To close, I'll tell this story. We was at a beach trip. Me and my old youth minister and a hurricane, Hurricane Alberto, ripped through the beach. And as Hurricane Alberto comes and rips through, we didn't know we had all these games playing. We're sitting, we're sitting in a, a coliseum, an auditorium. And I remember as the winds whipped outside and the hurricanes came, it just began to rip through. I remember me and 145 kids sat in that auditorium, and Mr. David brought his band on stage, and they began to play. And as they began to play, I remember in that moment in 2017 thinking that, hello, amen, thank you, Jesus, that a song is not your shelter. Your song is not your the, the worship is not just a song in the storm. Worship is not just a song in the storm. But worship, however, is our shelter from the storm because praises in the midnight cause freedom for the morning.